Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? We got a great show planned for you, but don't we always? DM's always open, so if you got a question for us, drop in the DM's on our Loveline IG page. Uh, let's jump right in. Emotional regulation. I've been talking a lot about this for the past couple weeks in my office. I think um, there's always something in the atmosphere. There's a lot of commonality in what people might be struggling with at certain times. But I'll tell you, no matter what we're working on, what we're working with, emotional regulation is something that I think is important for all of us. So today's topic relates to literally every single human being on this planet, regardless of regardless of anything else. Because uh, I was kind of saying this on uh, an earlier show that we don't really have good role models <laughs> for emotional regulation. In, in fact, we have quite the opposite. The way most people deal with things the way we're socialized to perceive things and what uh, options we think we have available to us, none of them are good. And I can talk endlessly about how it is that we got to the place we're at, and I don't really want to spend much time on that. I want to talk more about what we need to be thinking about, what the unlearning is, and then what the learning is. Like, what are the skills? So we're definitely going to get to all that. But um, you got to go on the journey. You got to go on the journey. It's like Adele's new album. We're not, we're not allowing the shuffle option. You can't skip around. You got to go from start to finish. Once you get on the ride, you got to finish that roller coaster out. You know what I mean? They buckle you in and off it goes. Once you hit play on Adele's new album, you're in for a ride. Uh, have not heard the album. I just love, let me bring y'all in for those that aren't aware of what I'm talking about. Traditionally, Spotify allows while listening to an album, a shuffle option, which means it will play the album out of order. Adele has been the first and only musician to ask Spotify to remove that option for her new album. So as to make it go on the entire journey from start to finish, because apparently it, you know, it builds on itself. I like that conceptually. So that's kind of how the show goes. Y'all got to hang in there. So how, is it you know quick discourse around this how is it that we came to be the way we are and we just don't really have good mental health but more importantly for tonight's topic which is about how to regulate ourselves better which also means how to deal with difficult emotions which also means how do i help you know high conflict couples so the way we got where we are is we don't feel safe honestly expressing ourselves and there's a lot of things we still participate in that are ways that we practice daily not being able to be honest with what we're feeling with even ourselves. Cause start there for a second. A lot of the struggles that people aren't able to get to the core of what it is they're even feeling. And a lot of our emotional expression isn't honest. It's a secondary emotion that we're expressing. We, we struggle to really connect to find and express primary emotion. So some of the ways that that exists, well, let me start differently. Some of the reasons why we are practicing the opposite is because think about a traditional day of most people's lives because we're doing broad strokes here. There's always going to be people that don't participate in this way. There's outliers, there's exceptions, but for the bulk of us, how many times throughout your day are you given an opportunity to be really emotionally honest with the people around you? Not often because one, you're maybe a parent and you need to play the role of parent. We also go to our jobs and we have to play the, the role of good employee, which means put a smile on your face. It's a lot of performing. It's a lot of fake emotionality. It's a lot of toxic positivity where if you're a barista or a server or, you know, a flight attendant or anyone in customer service, you can do nothing but fake politeness. You are not allowed to really identify the feelings you're having. You're not allowed to center them. You're not allowed to express them. It doesn't matter. No one cares how you're feeling. No one cares how you're being impacted by others. That's unfortunate. 
So we're performing our gender, which is a way that we pull ourselves away from our truth because you have to be a man or a woman. And luckily, of course, there's outliers and we're now acknowledging non-binary and we're stepping outside of all that. But I'm talking in broad strokes about traditional. We play parent, we play employee, we play our gender. And then we come together with other people and that's the time when we should really be practicing vulnerability, which would be the true, honest expression of what's going on. And we don't feel safe doing that or we don't even know how to connect to that. And so we're always operating at this secondary, superficial level of emotional expression. And that usually means anger, frustration. Those are more secondary active emotions because if we really look at what the situations warrant or what would be the most honest feeling you would have, it's not anger. But for a lot of us, we just go right to anger. Everything's anger. You disappoint us, anger. We feel lonely, anger. We're, let, we're angry that you weren't there, that you didn't know better, all these different things. So that's part of some of it. Also because we over-idealize and romanticize and legitimize logic and reasoning to the detriment of emotions. I spent an entire segment, and you can go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for Love Line, and click on it, and you can see the past episodes. But I spent an entire episode talking about why emotions and what we call affect, which is the experience and the expression and all that, why that's so important, why that actually is more important than rationality and logic. Because we talk about, there's a lot of different ways to frame this. We talk about balance. We talk about mental health. We talk about equilibrium. We talk about wise mind, and that means holding both. And this comes out of a lot of different areas, uh, dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT, um, dealing with high conflict couples, all sorts of areas. And it really is about being able to hold both the emotional experience and also logic. We don't ever want to be too much of one to the detriment of the other. We need both. Both are a, a true balance. So we're going to take a little break and we'll come back and keep talking about how to deal with our emotions, but also how to deal with high conflict mental health. All right, stick around, y'all. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. We'll be back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Oh, Rachel, we are back in... Talking about emotional regulation, talking about emotions, talking about how to help if you're in a uh, high conflict relationship. Uh, often, that can be with family members, that can be with friends, that can be with colleagues, but traditionally it's with the people that you uh, are in romantic or committed relationships with. Far more intensity, our attachment system kicks in, so we literally fuse and wire to this person, and their moods and impact our moods and affect us. That is actually the sign of a healthy system. If you're in a relationship with someone and their moods don't matter to you and you're not impacted by them, well, then you're not in a healthy, truly attached relationship, and you need to work on empathy and allowing intimacy to be built and letting someone in. It's called inner subjectivity. We do want to be made to feel certain ways. That's actually a healthy sign. If people's experiences don't penetrate you, that's a bad sign. That that means you are fear uh, have fear of intimacy. That means you aren't able to tolerate emotionality. That means you aren't in a truly connected, attached relationship. That means you are afraid of empathy. And I'm concerned because we use words like codependent. You're codependent. No, 
very few people actually are. And a lot of the examples we give for codependence are actually healthy signs. It doesn't mean it's always effective or feels good. And there maybe is a way to reorient some of that or to manage it better. But we do want to attach to people. Empathy means I feel things, but that's, that's a whole nother topic. So dealing with high emotions and high conflict, we, we tend to think that when we're in these moments that the work is about, the energy, the energy should be directed towards or the goal is about figure out who's right, who's correct. We get way off course with that, way off course with that. And if you hear a lot of people in arguments, that's often what it is. They're pleading their case and they're, they're trying to convince. And that's not the goal, but that's also missing the uh, forest for the trees. It's all about relationality and reconnection. The goal, is, the goal is we just kind of disconnected. How do we reconnect? But instead, they're trying to convince each other to figure out who's right or wrong. You know, whose responsibility was it actually to go pick up the kids? Or was that movie really a good movie or actually a bad movie? That actually, I keep saying the word actually, none of those things matter. We need to get away from that because in a lot of worlds, both are true, that that movie was good for you and it was bad for them. Or it actually doesn't matter, but we put that, before the quality and, and mental health of us in the relationship, and that's what matters most. Point being, like I said with my new favorite metaphor, the success and skill of a driver is demonstrated by the comfort of the passenger. And that's what we should be paying attention to more. Not who really was supposed to pick up the kids or how good was that movie really, but how am I making my partner feel and how is this conversation and the way it's being had, how's it impacting our relationship? That should be what we should be paying attention to. And we'll get later in the show into how to really do that, but I wanna just call that out on the front end. The goal is the relationship. Just like if you're correcting your children or teaching them a lesson, please don't think that getting the lesson taught means more than how your child feels in relationship to you as a result of that conversation. So it's about what we call the process has to mean more than the content. How you're treating them and making them feel and the impact it's having on the relationship has to mean more than the point you're trying to make or getting yourself heard. If you learn nothing else or if you focus on nothing else, that will resolve a lot. And that's what people get thrown off by because we're used to this perspective of domination and needing to be correct, and that's a lot about our ego. We struggle to hold opposites. There's a really beautiful part of Jungian psychology that's about the union of opposites. It's also part of psychoanalytic theory, not splitting. Uh, object relations theory, seeing people as a whole object, all these different things basically water down to say, we have to hold the idea that the person I love is also the person I hate, that something can both be good and bad. Very much do we live in a binary. Things are black and white, boy or girl, straight or gay. Nope, people aren't straight or gay. People are pan, people are fluid. People aren't a boy or a girl. There's a multitude of sexes and hundreds of gender presentations. And often things aren't right or wrong or good or bad. They're both they're neither. It depends on the situation. But we really lose focus and our ego kicks in and we just want to be right. The relationship and the impact it's having on the relationship has to matter more. And so whenever we're stepping into these things, the words we're using, the tone of voice we're using, our body posturing, and the energy we're bringing should all align with an honor. I care about the person I'm talking to. I care about the impact this conversation has on our relationship. And you'll notice and see that concern based on my tone of voice, the languages I'm using, the energy I'm bringing, and my posturing. Pay attention more to that first. I often, while clients are in my practice, my patients are maybe in front of me working through a conflict, I'm almost muting them and I'm ignoring the content. I'm not trying to figure out who was correct, who was really supposed to empty the dishwasher. And I'm paying attention to how they're relating the relational styles. Are they keeping an eye on both themselves and how regulated they are, but also an eye on how much they're impacting their partner and in what ways they're impacting their partner? Because if you're not doing that, you might be really in your, what we call your reptilian brain. And the reptilian brain only has to worry about three things. Do I eat it, kill it, or have sex with it? <laughs> That's what happens when we're really dysregulated. The executive functioning, the neocortex goes offline and the neocortex needs to be 
online and engage because that's a part of us that has reasoning and empathy and is able to track ourselves. Give us what we call that observing ego where we're looking down at ourselves and monitoring. And that's an important part. And that's what healthy people do. They're looking at their partner to, to see how well this is going. And the response on their partner's face tells them more because it's not about the topic and who is right or wrong. They're looking at their partner and if they're upsetting them or scaring them or making them feel bad, they know that whatever's happening is not the right way. And so it's almost like put what you're saying on mute and just stare at your partner and they'll reflect back how well this is going. Because what we do in attachment-based therapy, which means we really honor relationship first and foremost, we're always asking how effective was that? And it is not effective if your partner is scared, crying, or made anxious, or you are presenting in a way that's not safe for them to stay connected to continue this conversation before we even get to the actual content itself. So start to practice that. I'm going to take a little break. We'll come back and talk about it more. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. We'll be back. Alrighty, we're back and we're talking about dun, 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 self-regulation. Probably one of the most important things we could be thinking about, talking about, or working on within you know mental health and our relationships. So we're really front-loading it all, just pointing out that the relationship matters and the impact on the relationships you're in have to mean more than what you're talking about or the point you're trying to make. And people that are really mentally healthy, people that are very strong, people that are very empowered, people that are good at self-regulation, they're always paying attention to the person on the receiving end as a barometer or a metric to let them know how well they're doing. Because your communication's really bad if the person on the receiving end isn't understanding what you're saying. So that's like a little bit of a sidestep, but I also like that that comes out of the community, you know, good communication skills. Um, that whole world always tells you that. If the people you're talking to and trying to express yourself to aren't understanding you, well, then your communication is not good. You don't get to decide if it's good. The receiving, the person on the receiving it decides that. Same thing with your relationship. Your, the quality of how you're approaching them and working through conflict is determined by the look on their face. <laughs> and we want to always be expressing ourselves in tone and language and posturing in a way that we can see they feel safe still. They're still staying connected. So it's about the the uh, the um, the health or the strength or it's about the connection. So remember that. Don't let the content mean more. Okay, so we'll move on beyond that. Because often, most of the times, the actual problem isn't what's happening. The actual problem is rarely what you're identifying as the problem. It's, it's, it's our responses to it. The kids are going to sometimes not get picked up by the right person. Hear that said in the way I need that to be said at all. That can be taken a lot of strange ways. The real issue isn't who empties the dishwasher. Grow up. If you want the dishwasher emptied, freaking do it. Do it. Oftentimes the solution is just do it. You want the bed made? Just freaking make it then every morning. Stop stop eating away at your relationship because you don't want to put in that extra 30 seconds to do it. The point being is it's our responses that impact the quality of the relationship and our mental health. Not getting the people who are supposed to empty a dishwasher to do it and pick up the kids on time. Those are secondary things. Yes, they matter. But what matters more is the way we're making each other feel and the temperature of this relationship. And that's impacted by how we approach and have these conversations. That matters most. And so if you're not ready to let go of the outcome, then you're not ready to be in a relationship because healthy relationships are stepping away from the outcome, needing to be right, needing to get your point across, and more importantly, paying attention to how we're impacting each other. We don't have to be in relationships. We choose to be, and we should only be in them when we're having a positive impact on each other. Otherwise, you're, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it for the wrong reasons. It's like I say, it's like dessert. If dessert's making you feel sick and you don't like what you're eating, well, then you don't really understand what dessert's supposed to be about. If you're letting the holidays or a vacation stress you, then you really don't understand what the point of a holiday or a vacation is. It's supposed to be just joy and fun. Stop putting these expectations and structures in place that turn it into something else, that turn it into performing how good of a parent you are or how good of a host you are or how well you decorate. You're, you've missed the boat. Same thing with relationships. It's about how good of a partner on you. That's determined by the person on the receiving end. And that's a really hard one. So again, the problem isn't usually the topic or what's happening. The problem is everyone's response to it. Get yourselves to a place where you can talk about anything lovingly. We should. No one should have throw down fights over who picked up the kids on time or who emptied the dishwasher. If you're having elevated fights around these things, well, then you got a lot of work to do because you're not paying attention again to then how you're having these conversations. And you're getting too hung up on ego and being correct. Back away from that. So, because the work is always about getting back to balance, connection, and equilibrium. You choose any of those words. 
and keep that in the head of your mind and keep that in front of your mind that the whole point of this, although it seems like we're talking about who did right or wrong with the dishes, the whole point is staying connected through this. And are we connected as we're doing this? And at any point, if I see we're disconnected and that's as evidenced by how I feel or my partner's response, I need to get back to connecting, which might mean, hey, let's take a break for a minute. Or maybe you hold their hands and start softening your voice a little bit. Whatever you need to do, pay attention to the impact and the connection. Is, is the way you're going about this effective? And that's determined by, are we feeling safe and connected? And again, we're gonna get to, um, after this segment, we're gonna do some DMs and then we'll circle back and talk more, but I just wanna really drive that home. We have to be willing to let go and loosen up on just hammering this out at all costs, which is why I say go to bed angry, because sometimes we're not gonna nail this at down tonight. We're, we're too dysregulated to finish this tonight. And what has to mean more is how we both feel around each other that has to mean more than just getting this figured out. That's, you're doing it backwards then. Just like I said, holidays and vacations shouldn't be things that have a negative impact on us or stress us or break our relationships apart or lead to fights. You're doing it wrong. You're entering it wrong, you're doing it wrong. This falls under that as well, because remember, relationships are supposed to be enhancing for each other. I think we've forgotten that. We've really normalized hating your boyfriend or a girlfriend, thinking your wife is the old ball and chain and all these odd normalizing sound bites that break my heart because I'm thinking, why are you doing it then? We don't step in it to make our lives harder because as I say all the time, relationships take work, but not that much work. Yes, putting a holiday together and hosting or going on vacation might have some stressors because things go wrong or you have to book things, but it, that, but it shouldn't be to that extent. It should only take a little bit of work. Otherwise, you need to drop the expectations or simplify because you're missing the point. All right, we're gonna take a little break and when we come back, we're going to slide into those DMs and then we'll pick this back up. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any questions you got, topics you want covered, something you want us to drop deeper into, let us know. Otherwise, stick around, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back. And guess what? It is time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Let's see what we got here. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my 14-year-old daughter asked if she can get on birth control because of her skin. I'm not dumb. I know that it's most likely because she wants to have sex. Well, I okay, I don't know. <laughs> I can't answer that, which I'm okay talking with her about and going down that path. Good. Part of being a parent is having to step into difficult conversations because our children really don't have anyone else to turn to. We definitely don't want them talking to their friends about these things, not at age 14, of course. Uh, so I'm glad that you're able to be a parent who can be approached. I say to parents all the time, if your children aren't approaching you, it's either because they have you know some guilt and shame about the topic and you do have the ability to normalize and familiarize and to keep you know certain topics being openly discussed so that they can get familiar with it. But also, you have to be approachable. We won't approach people that we know will shame or attack or, or punish. And so, yes, you have to do the difficult work of being safe to be approached. Um, you said that every time you bring it up, she deflects. And you're kind of upset she doesn't trust you. Well, there, you're kind of walking us into it. Why do you think she doesn't trust you? How have you responded in the past to difficult topics? That's what you want to really sit with. Your question is, do you know of any ways I can talk to her about it where she'd have this conversation with me? Uh, yeah, whenever we're talking about difficult topics, a couple things I always tell individuals, don't frame it as though we're gonna have a hard conversation. That can spike the anxiety. The way we enter and begin a conversation, the way we frame it, sets us off at a calm, cool zero, or it sets us off already at a high, heightened, dysregulated place. So don't do what my dad used to do. He would say, we need to have a talk, come into, come into my office. Well, my anxiety already spiked, knowing what we're gonna talk about is gonna be a difficult conversation. It, it's better if you bring it in in a gentle, soft way, in a very casual way. It creates a lightness. You just enter it. Hey, what are you up to? And they might say, nothing, just watching this show. And you can say, hey, let me steal a minute. And then just very casually launch into the conversation. But the way you begin it and the way you frame it is going to set the tone. I also think sometimes it's good to have conversations while an activity is happening because it allows people to oscillate in and out of connection and disconnection so that they're not being stared at or having to stare at you while maybe dealing with something difficult. It can be very hard while we're sitting quietly in a room with no one around and our parents sitting in front of us staring at us to really feel safe in our bodies. Remember, we need to disconnect to often ground and regulate. We can't do that while making sustained, consistent eye contact, which is why I also said that things like Zoom and Skype are quite hard because in normal world, we 
are looking away and looking back, looking away and looking back. But it reads stranger when we're on Skype or Zoom. Same thing. We don't want to sit there and stare at our child while we're having a hard conversation. So maybe do it while shopping or while going for a walk or while driving in the car. Say, let's go for a walk or say, let's go get ice cream or let's go for a drive in the car. That way they can be looking at you and breaking contact. We do most of our thinking and processing when we're not making eye contact. That's why sustained eye contact is difficult, not just because of the invasiveness, but also because we process when we break that contact. So we need to be able to look down and look away to really sit more honestly in what we're feeling or thinking. So we have to create environments where that can happen. But again, you also have to think back. How have you been about other difficult conversations? Are you someone who she can trust will be calm, cool, and collected? Because if you don't tend to be that way, well, start there, which means you're going to have to start working on being better about other topics to get back to this one. It's We can't rush this. There's no quick, simple answer. You're, you know, the temperature of your general relationship matters. Also, how familiar is your daughter with having intimate, honest conversations with you in general, regardless of your responses? Is that something that's familiar? Because if not, you can't expect her to just ease into it this time. So then yet again, moving very slow and thoughtfully, start to bring in more vulnerable topics, knowing that we're working up to having that conversation again. So it's a bigger relational question you're asking yourself and you might be needing to work on it outside of this topic to then inch back towards this topic. It might not be something you can just bang out or pound out right now. So be willing to do that larger work because the quality of your relationship matters just as much as like getting, getting to the core of this topic. But I like where your head's at and I like your openness. So uh, practice that. You got a question for us, drop it in the uh, DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always want to hear from you, questions you got, topics you want covered, something you want us to circle back to. Happy to hear from you and uh, past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it, binge, post, share, re-listen. Uh, we need to really repetitively hear things and work with things to really kind of build them in and internalize them. So there that stuff is, but um, we'll be back and uh, we'll be closing out the show again with some more DMs. So stick around for that. You know what I mean? In the meantime, maybe build in a little bit of self-care, kind of work on that breath. All right, listen to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, we'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, we're talking about self-regulation. Why does this matter? Well, relationships are our mental health. We're in so many of them and the ability to regulate ourselves is really what makes us safe to be kept in other people's lives. Uh, it also impacts our own mental health. And so a lot of you might be identifying, wow, more dysregulated than I thought or than I want to recognize. Um, I'm not able to hold on to everything Dr. Chris is talking about tonight. I get too focused on winning and being right and being heard and I'm not enough on how am I damaging my relationship or hurting my partner in the process of getting to that. Like I've got it all wrong. The goal is reconnection and staying connected, not deciding who is right and wrong. Um, the problem isn't what's happening. The problem is our responses to it and the fact that we can't stay regulated and loving while talking about this. And we have to be tracking that. And that determines if we need to settle down, take some space, come back to this or bring in a third party because we're always trying to just pay attention to that. Um, so then we start talking about what is effective communication because I don't think we know what that is. And effective communication is what we'd call accurate expression and some validation. And we'll kind of break that down in, in a little bit. Um, but what really is on the front end is understanding who we are and who our partner is. Because yeah, we are responsible for our partner. We are responsible for our own triggers first. When we're triggered and when we're upset about something, we have to first take that on because how we deal with that impacts the person connected to us or in front of us. But we're also taking responsibility for how we impact the people there as well. Empathy matters and it counts. It's not, we're not just worrying about ourselves. It's not just, well, my side of the street's clean, my lawn's mowed, or my state, blah, 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 or well, my country. But no, let's care about every country. Let's care about every state. Let's care about every city. Let's care about every neighborhood. Let's care about the person that lives next to us. <laughs> let's care about the person that shares the room next to us. Um, so the factors we have to learn about ourselves, and this is really hard, introspective work, is sensitivity, reactivity, and time to return to equilibrium. How sensitive are you? Is, is anything or everything, a look, a statement, is everything injuring? Because we, we can't be so sensitive that we're unsafe to be around because, because everything wounds us. We can't handle anything. Then we go to reactivity. When you are being sensitive, how reactive on a scale of zero to 10 
are, is everything cranked up to an eight or nine or a 10? Or are you able to keep things right sized? Meaning if it's a three, you respond at about a three. Cause some people are hypersensitive, but luckily if it's a three, they give about a three. And then also the final point is how long does it take you to basically chill out, to basically come back down to earth? Those are the three factors that are gonna really make up your mental health in terms of relationship and conflict. Identify which one of those you need to work on. Are you too sensitive? Do you need to learn how to kind of let things, let some things go? And sometimes brush it off and sometimes not make a big deal out of it and sometimes just keep it to yourself. Yes, that's important. We can't always be flooding people and make everything an issue. It is exhausting. It's exhausting to be that person. It's exhausting to be around that person. So first identify that. Are you too sensitive? Because remember, we're talking about us first. That's why I'm not saying is your partner too sensitive. That's their journey. We're working on ourselves first before we even look at our partners. And until you've dealt with your sensitivity, your reactivity, and your length of time to get back to normal, then I don't even want to hear what your partner's doing because you're a part of that system and you're either making it easier for them to do the work or you're making it harder. So again, how sensitive are you? If you realize you're very sensitive, well, start practicing because that's how you show commitment is your willingness to practice. And if you're not willing to practice, then you aren't committed to being a good partner and then you should be broken up with immediately. Anyone that is unwilling to commit to doing their work should not be in a relationship with someone, period. Then the second piece is how reactive are you? You need to start right-sizing things. Things that really should be an eight, nine, and 10, cool, go there. But if it's things like you didn't empty the dishwasher, you forgot to pick up the kids, that shouldn't be an eight, nine, and 10. And if you don't know how to right size things or really weigh in on the numbers, you need to get into some therapy or you need to at least say to your partner, I need your help. I realize I'm too reactive. I need you to help me assess the appropriate responses for things. And then you partner with them vulnerably to help you figure out what kind of response should I have at times. And then the final thing you have to assess is how long does it take me to chill out? And if it takes me a long time, and I can't do it very quickly, then I need to work on self-soothing practices, which we'll talk about tonight. Because ideally, we're not that sensitive, we are not that reactive, and we can just stand there and chill out very quickly. That's the goal. So start practicing that. But first, we have to identify which of those three, if not all of them, we need to work on. For me, I'm not that sensitive. For me, I used to be very reactive and I've worked on that. And now I'm really working more on the third piece, just kind of like chilling out a lot quicker, not letting those feelings linger longer than they need to. Sharing what I'm going through and then letting it go because it depends on who I'm with. These days I only spend time around people I love and I care about. And so I know that they care about me. And so things aren't as sharp and sensitive because I know whoever said that thing, I don't need to respond sensitively because I trust that they love me. So I know that they didn't mean it that, they didn't mean to say that, or they didn't mean for me to take it that way. I trust that. But if you're not around healthy people, you can't. So we shouldn't be around unhealthy people who might actually wanna harm us. Reactivity is the same thing. I don't wanna make my day miserable or feel bad or stress my body out or the people I'm with, so I try to crank down the reactivity. I'm always saying, what's the accurate number that this should be at? And then finally, I know self-soothing practices and I'm getting better at accessing them quicker. And we'll talk about those down the road. So we're gonna take a little break. We'll come back, keep talking about this, self-regulation, how to deal with high conflict relationships, how to kind of get better and safer to be around. So stick around, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about self-regulation, self-soothing, how to be safe enough to be brought around other people. Oh yeah, it's a real thing. If we're highly sensitive, highly reactive, and it takes us a while to calm down, we're not really safe to be dated or to be brought around because we're like that dog that at any moment might just start biting someone and no one wants that dog brought to their house or to spend time with that dog. That's miserable. That dog's unsafe. We keep that dog at home. Are you that dog? Do you need to work on being less sensitive because you're around people that you know care about you and so you learn to let things go? Reactivity, if it's a three, you respond with a three. Not everything's an eight, nine, or a 10. You don't make everything catastrophize or dramatize. It's also not safe for you or others. And then finally, returning to our baseline quicker, chilling out, getting over it sooner. We'll talk about ways to do that. Here's the first thing. How do we self-soothe? Ideally, this is the process it looks like. We label what we're feeling. Wow, I just felt very let down. Or wow, that really scared me. Or wow, that was really embarrassing. But we have to go to what we call a primary emotion. Anger is a secondary reactive emotion most of the time. I love using the same examples. If someone accidentally almost backed into you when you're walking by a parking spot, your initial response shouldn't be anger. It should be fear. You almost hit me, I'm scared. Go into those soft, vulnerable motions. That's how we know we're expressing a primary emotion. It's soft, it's vulnerable. 
anger and those other emotions, usually it's anger though, is a secondary reactive emotion. I don't feel comfortable saying to this person, you scared me or sitting in that fear. So I just get pissed. But then what does that anger do? It breeds more anger. Because what happens when that person gets out of the car and they're screaming at them, they scream back. Or if we could just say to them, wow, you really scared me. I bet you they'd say, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. It scared me too. And then you move on with your day and everyone feels fine versus taking that anger forward. And now you're screaming at the dog or whatever else is happening. So we have to just label what we're feeling accurately. Like, wow, I feel really scared. I feel very lonely. I feel very let down. Sometimes it also helps us to add the secondary step, which is located in your body. So as to get more familiar with what it feels like and where you feel it, then we have to right size it. We have to check the intensity. What, what does this situation warrant? Someone who hit me with their car, eh, okay, we can crank up the feelings a little bit. Someone didn't empty the dishwasher. Yeah, we should probably crank that bad boy down. It ain't that deep. It's not a life-threatening thing. Dishes aren't that deep. That's where we really have to bring in dealing with our reactivity. So again, we're labeling what we're feeling honestly, primary emotions, maybe locating it in our body to bring us into our body, but then we're right-sizing it. Check the intensity. Then we also have to examine the impact we're having on the other. It's called empathy. Always, always we should be looking at the person in front of us. I don't care if you know them or you don't. You're looking at them to really see if you're being too sensitive and too reactive because we're not trying to create harm or pain in others as we're working through ours. So if you're starting to see them get scared or them get overwhelmed by us, then you're going in the wrong direction. And then finally, we try to stay connected and share with them what it is we need. We don't judge them. We don't judge the situation. We just say what we need. Wow, that really scared me. Maybe you don't need anything. You just needed to communicate that. Or you lovingly say, hey, it was really hard to go in and see that the dishes weren't emptied. It really kind of let me down because it was really, I was hoping you were going to do them. And you just share what you need. You know, it'd be really important to me if you'd continue to try to really, really pay attention to that. And they would say, of course, I hear you. That's how you really get your needs met is by going through that process. Otherwise, if you're just vomiting unexpressed reactive emotion, secondary emotion, anger here, anger there, you're completely out of control. You're flooding yourself, you're flooding them, and you don't actually get your needs met or your goal accomplished. And those are the people that are ridiculous. That's why I hate some of these TV shows where everyone goes to anger and violence. They're hitting people, they're name calling, they're flipping tables, they're telling it like it is. That is not what it looks like. Those people are very weak and they're very mentally unhealthy. That's mental illness. People that are that out of control. They're too reactive. They're too sensitive. And they don't have good coping skills. They're not able to reconnect and they don't really care how they're impacting the people around them. That empathy piece is so, so, so important. Because what we're really trying to do, to put it in other words, is we're trying to regulate so that we can repair and then we can reconnect. Because it's all about wanting to stay connected to these people. Because oftentimes during these moments, these moments of conflict, what we really need is to feel close. And we often do the opposite, make it really hard for someone to stay connected, make it really hard to repair, make it really hard for someone to be close to us. People can't be close to us or hug us or soothe us if we're all prickly and we're unsafe. So think about that. Uh, when we're in high emotion, we often lose our functioning or executive functioning. We don't consider the consequences. We burn things down, we blow things out. So the balance that we're trying to reach and go through those steps is about maintaining awareness of our goals and who's in front of us. It's not just our emotional pain. We're also holding those goals that this is someone I'm married to or this is my child and I care about them or my best friend and I don't want them to feel like I'm unsafe to be around. Because if they're mentally healthy enough and we're always that sensitive and reactive, they're not gonna wanna be around us anymore. They're gonna break up with us. They're gonna stop engaging us or they're gonna stop coming around. And we have to then own that. Because again, the issue isn't what they've done or what's happened. The issue is more importantly, our responses to it. We should be staying cool, calm, and collected to say, hey, that disappointed me. Hey, that let me down. Hey, that hurt my feelings. And they can hear that when it's a soft primary emotion that's expressed. You shouldn't be angry that someone let you down or disappointed you. You should be sad and disappointed and use those words. People can hear that. They, they can then understand what you need from them. They can do the repair. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about ways to self-soothe. If you feel like in moments when things are happening, you're not able to do the labeling, to do the checking, the intensity, to be empathetic about how you're impacting others. So uh, stick around for that. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. But really quickly, before we go, DMs are always open. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's any questions you got topics you want covered, something you want us to kind of circle back to. We love hearing from you. And whenever you kind of put stuff in there, it helps other people as well. 
past episodes because there's a lot over there to learn, to practice, to internalize is over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, click on it, and then you can binge, post, share, re-listen because a lot of this stuff, we hold on to it when we first hear it, but then when we further drift away from it, we can't access it. So we either need to be like taking notes, taking one little piece and really trying to apply that day after day and work that through, or just go back and re-listen to some of the shows to really kind of build it in because most of us are not hearing the stuff out in the world. We're actually hearing the opposite. We're actually re- hearing reinforce the things we need to be working you know, on unlearning. So stick around though. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, Rachel, we are back and we're talking about ways to self-regulate so that we are healthy to be around and to be in relationships with people. If we're not able to do this work or willing to do this work, well, we're a time bomb, you know, ready to go off at any time. We're like those dogs that you never know when they're going to bite. And again, like I keep saying, the best way to know how well you're doing at this work is to uh, look at the impact you're having on people around you as these things are happening. So what do we do if we're in these moments and we just can't kind of calm down, cool down? Well, we got to start practicing what we call self-soothing. So the key words are social, senses, spiritual, and movement. It's kind of the way I break it down. Social. Sometimes what we need to do is step out of that frame and go call a friend and say, yo, check me. Am I, am I, am I catastrophizing, dramatizing? What level should my response be? Cause I'm acting like it's an eight, nine or 10. Is this really like a three or four call someone you trust who will tell you the truth and then do it. That's the, one of the most important things, socialization. Sometimes it's just about going, spending time with people and not talking about the topic because you want to step outside of it. You want it out of your body and out of your mind. So you don't bring it up. You just want to laugh, have fun. That can recalibrate us or to just be distracted. You know, sometimes self-soothing is about stepping away from the topic. It's not always about working with or working through. Sometimes it's about total removal so we can cool down. That's really about self-soothing is about. It's like cooling down. So sometimes we want to talk about, sometimes we don't. So that's social. Senses. Work with your senses. Go play some music, music that's going to settle you and soothe you. That's always what I do. Go burn some candles or some scents, some essential oils. I love lavender for soothing. Carry it with you. Put it in your hands and smell it. That will be soothing, and also you'll start to associate that process with soothing. So it's also about building the associations. Play music, like I said, that settles you down. Maybe go roll up, roll yourself up in a blanket or take a bath. That's another way to work with senses, feeling your body being kind of held. Then there's spiritual. Maybe you need to go pray. Maybe you need to go read some spiritual writings. Maybe you need to center yourself in your values and your integrity because sometimes you just need to remind yourself, I'm not living in my integrity. This is not appropriate responses and I'm stepping outside and I need to see myself being better. And then finally movement. Sometimes we need to just go for a walk, go to the gym, go for a run, drop down and do some push-ups. Sometimes we need to dispel and discharge and work through that heightened energy. We have to get it out of our bodies. But those are the things you need to do if you're not able to stay in the moment and label it check the intensity of it, look at the empathy of how you're impacting the other, and then make your needs known. So we have to sometimes build in that self-soothing because I'm standing right there with the trigger, in front of the trigger, doesn't allow you to soothe. It's okay to say, I need to run to the bathroom. It's okay to say, we need to come back to this conversation. It's okay to ask for what you need because what means more is how you're impacting this person and the relationship. That means more than just getting this figured out now or getting through this or deciding right now who's right and who's wrong. You have to go to the higher level uh, goal, which is I care about us and I want us to be cared for through this. Because remember, in every relationship, the other person's in your care. So it does matter how you impact them. And we do impact other people. We do make people feel things 100%. That's why these topics are so important. Other people's mental health is determined by how we are present in their life and how we treat them and the energy we bring in. Don't let your presence in someone's life as their friend or their partner make their life harder or more miserable. Then you're not safe to be related to. So do this work. And if this isn't enough, get into some therapy. If that's not enough, take a break in the relationship and say, honestly, I think I'm doing damage to you. I need to pull myself out of this or away from this for a while to work on myself and heal. Don't keep creating damage in people's lives as you go through life unhealed. That's not okay. And sometimes we have to be the person to tell the other person that this isn't healthy for me to be in right now. I think there's some work to be done. I know it's a hard conversation to have. I know it's a hard thing to have to recognize, but it really matters. We're not, we're not having relationships to hurt people, to have a legacy of harming. Um, but all this stuff is, is a practice, and that's how we get 
familiar with it, it's also how we are able to easily access it when we most need it. So you have to choose some of these things. Are you too sensitive? Are you too reactive? Or do you take too much time to get down to a baseline and to chill out? And if so, we start to track ourselves, but we also build in those self-soothing practices. So kind of identify where that work is. Um, so that's like the accurate expression part. And then finally, another important piece is just validation, letting someone who's doing all this work know that you understand them. Um, going to some acceptance. You know, acceptance doesn't mean you're saying something's legitimate or that you're agreeing. It's just saying, I honor that that is happening and I honor that we don't have an answer or a solution, um, but we'll come back to it. It's, that slows us down, that facilitates negotiation, negotiation, that also soothes emotions. So again, just to put a little pin in it or tie a bow on it, the goal is about staying connected, not figure out who's right or wrong or if what happened was good or bad. The relational impact matters more. So again, the problem isn't what's happening. The problem is how we're responding and treating each other and relating around this topic. So focus more on that. All right, we're gonna take a little break. When we come back, we're going to uh, slide into those DMs. So if you've got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. I'll know the drill. Drop in your questions, topics, things you want us to circle back and drop deeper into. And as always, past episodes are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line, click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen, really build all that in. Um, stick around, though. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, we're back. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline, is holiday anxiety a thing? Feel very anxious. Always have every holiday. <laughs> I know there's birthday anxiety, but how about holiday anxiety? Of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, and it's very reasonable. That's why I keep advocating for people to remember that holidays are supposed to be about what? Fun, joy, relaxation, time with others, time with people we care about. Don't put before that the things that aren't really a part of that or as meaningful like gift giving and how much money you're spending and all these other pieces that really throw us off. We talked about this on another episode where I see a lot of people understandably wanting to throw the best holiday. And so they're worried about who's coming and where they're sitting and what we're wearing and having enough place settings and all that. And it's like, yeah, that's part of curating a great experience, but don't lose sight of the goal, which is we're just all coming together to have fun and joy. Don't let go of that by making everyone tense around you or also by making your time ruined. Your experience matters too, even as the host. Let's normalize letting go a little bit, letting things be a little more fun. Maybe, like I said, make it a potluck. Everyone brings something and let things not be ideal. Don't strive for everything to be perfect or ideal. Maybe this year you don't give gifts because of finances or stress or because it's COVID and you don't want to be out at stores or waiting in line. Like all these things are acceptable. It's okay to let everyone know we're going to start doing the holidays different. It's going to be fun and restful. So come when you come, things are going to be more lighthearted, bring some foods and just kind of like, let go a little bit, let go a little bit. I know my holidays were often ruined as a child because every, my family members were so uptight about what time dinner is and what time everyone arrives. And is there enough of this for everyone and enough of that? And did you bring this? And it was just like, wow, we're all miserable. You're miserable. What are we even doing here? This feels tense. I hated it. I hated it. Let's not do that. Let's make this something that feels good to everyone. So really get back to and remind yourselves of what the holidays are supposed to be about. There shouldn't be any anxiety related to it. We also want to culturally normalize spending it alone or spending it with just friends because not everyone has a safe family or has a family at all or has people to spend it with. So let's normalize spending it alone. And also, I kept saying we have to do it differently where maybe we're not having people over it at all, at all, because we're flying solo or because of COVID. Um, I know my mom has health issues and she can't be around people that are high risk. Even if vaccinated, she needs anyone in the room to have been 
to be negative and she can't necessarily ask everyone who's showing up to get a test right before because of finances and accessibility. So it's going to be different for her. And I said to her, still play the music, still have some of the food. You can still celebrate even though it's different. Just because something's not ideal or perfect doesn't mean it's not good. It's just different. And so I want to, I want to give everyone that opera, that option to just make it different. Maybe make it the way you truly want it this year. Maybe say everyone come over in your pajamas or we're doing the holidays in our sweatpants and we're just going to have comfort foods and we're not going to stress ourselves and we're just going to play music. That's okay. We don't need to perform perfect holiday by dressing up if we're not ready for that or if that's not really our vibe and everything else. We're letting go. We're letting go. I told my mom, I said, don't buy anyone gifts this year. Let that go. Spend it comfortable. Spend it in the way you want to spend it. Maybe just take the day to yourself. The, the, a lot of the world quiets down and settles down. Let's enjoy that. They start to play those really cute holiday movies. Just watch some of those, you know? I've always been open to queering everything, meaning doing it non-normatively and seeing the beautiful and strengths of things that are non-normative. For me, queer is, an, is, a, is a verb. It's an adjective. It's not a noun. It's not a person. It's, it's a perspective. It's the way we do things. So queer your holiday. Let it be different. Let it be creative. Let it be non-normative. Queer isn't gay. Queer is an adjective that can apply to straight people. Gay people can be a way we move through the world, right? We're not trying to do things the right way or the perfect way. We're doing them creatively and diversively and we're being authentic. That's queer. So queer the crap out of it. But it can still happen. It just might have to be different for a multitude of reasons, but it shouldn't be stressful. If it's stressful, you're doing it wrong and you either need to change it or maybe just stop doing it. But holidays shouldn't have to be stressful. So let's like reorient. And also let's reach out, check in on people around you and, and ask them if, what they're doing and maybe invite them over, don't assume. So let's check in on each other. All right, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. So join us, if you wanna check out past episodes, go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down, look for the show, click on it, it's all there. And uh, be kind to yourselves, be kind to those around you. As always, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you wanna pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 